This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Patreon.com slash Nerd Cave Retro. Head on over there, give us a couple of bucks a month to keep the lights on, and we'll give you extra episodes every month. So you can't beat that with a stick. Head on over to Patreon.com slash Nerd Cave Retro. Greetings, programs. We are back again for another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. And Derek is still on location as we speak in the the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. As we're recording this, yes, uh, when you're listening to the audio version, I will be... <laughs> close to wrapping up 10 straight days of blue wahoos baseball that's why we're recording two episodes in a row but thankfully august things are starting to wind down so we'll get back to a much more normal schedule so i I do want to say i do appreciate everyone's patience with with my wacky schedule as it is (laughs) every summer so well, we know Fun what stuff. it's like, uh, you know, your job isn't necessarily like a nine to five regular job. You, you know, you, you work in the sports industry. So when the season's going and we're in the, the heart of baseball season right now, it gets kind of tough to stay on a regular schedule. It does. But yeah, I think we figured out a pretty good system that makes it work. So, but yeah, as, as we're recording this, um, yeah, I'm still in Philadelphia just wrapped up podcast movement. Uh, if you haven't yet, you should go check out uh, the Derek Diamond Experience, episode 197, where I do uh, kind of a, a quick recap of the whole convention. I had two other podcasters on with me. We actually got to do the show at the convention and then literally brought the SD card upstairs to my room, threw the intro and outro on it, and posted it. So it was... It was probably the quickest turnaround I've ever had on an episode. It was a great episode. Like, I wasn't expecting it at all. Like, I was at home doing my afternoon chores, and I was listening to some podcasts, and I looked on there. I was like, oh, Derek's got a new episode from Philadelphia. So I listened to it this afternoon. It was great. Oh, I appreciate it. No, it was it was like a 20-something minute recap. You know, we, yeah. we, had a, we did have a time limit, which was, you know, understandable. Because it was funny because we were literally – the last podcast to record there because there were there was one other table that had mics and everything set up and they were actually breaking that down as we're recording and then as soon as we finished and got up out of the table they just broke everything down within like two minutes so they were they were ready to get out of there I just realized on both of these episodes, I forgot to switch the uh, the intro thing on Twitch. So we've been talking for like two or three minutes with please stand by up on the screen. So sorry about that. I did that on both episodes. My bad. We should, in the event that something happens, we yeah. should, <laughs> I, I should make one of those, you know, technical difficulties. Yeah. Please stand by graphics. We need a producer to, to take care of all this stuff. Cause I'm over here trying to do soundboard stuff and try to take care of the Twitch stream. So if anybody wants to volunteer to be a uh, producer for the show and help out, please, <laughs> I need it because <laughs> I can't multitask. We are accepting applications as of 
right now. Yes. Uh, before we go into the news for this week, I do have. Um, did we talk about um, on the last episode the the correction that Wally threw up on Twitter for the show? We did uh, not. So Wally gave me another correction. Uh, we were talking about on the RoboCop episode. I was talking about Paul Verhoeven, and I mistakenly said that he directed um, uh, the Fifth Element, but I meant to say Total Recall which I have been known to say wrong things all the time and mean something else. So I apologize to all the movie files out there. I know that Luke Besson did Fifth Element. I meant to say Total Recall, and it just came out as the Fifth Element. So I apologize, and Wally, you are correct. So you get a point. You should have just like owned it and said, you know what? It was actually George Lucas that did the yeah. Fifth Element. <laughs> I think that would have given Wally an aneurysm. (laughs) (laughs) If we had done that, I would have literally sat by my phone and waited for the Twitter notification. (laughs) Just the the gif I send you sometimes of George Costanza just eating the popcorn on Jerry's couch. That's what I would be doing. Just I would be watching my phone instead of the TV. And uh, speaking of Wally Phelps, our first news story is actually from him, something that he pointed out on our Twitter feed. So let me go ahead and play this. Apparently on GameStop, they are now selling uh, stand-up arcade machines. Uh, And the one I'm looking up here is called Arcade One Up. Uh, and the one I'm looking at right here um, apparently is a Street Fighter machine. It's available for $299.99. And uh, let me look up the product details here. Uh, arcade 1UP game cabinets look, feel, and play just like the arcade classic games you remember. This game includes Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition, Street Fighter 2 The New Challengers, and Turbo. Uh, it's a three-fourth scale arcade cabinet, so it's not necessarily the the same size as an original arcade cabinet, but it's still it's pretty pretty hefty. Uh, this yeah. thing is forty-five point eight uh, inches high, twenty-three inches deep, and nineteen inches wide, and it's approximately sixty-three pounds. Uh, simple assembly, authentic arcade joysticks, trackballs, buttons, and sounds. True arcade tactile feel, no quarters required, adjustable volume. It has a 17-inch LCD screen, multiplayer controls, and, oh, I see here it's got, like, um, it's basically big enough for you to sit at a chair and play it, so it's roughly, what's 48, uh, 46 inches, that's what, like, one, two, three, four. It's just under four feet. Yeah, just under four feet, so it's not very tall, but... It looks really cool. Like, I would like to actually have one of these. They have, of course, the Street Fighter edition, and they also have... Let me look here and see what else they have. They have Rampage, Centipede, Mm -hmm. and Asteroids. Oh, that Centipede looks so cool. I want that Centipede machine. If they ever do a Ninja Turtles one, you can bet I'll be getting it. Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. Uh, They better not. Because I can't dump $300 into this thing. Come on, man. I will say these aren't as much as I thought they would be. No. I thought they would be around the 500 Yeah. But, I mean, still, it, it's actually not a bad price for this because it does look it's really, really awesome. 
I would pro- if if I had a spare three hundred dollars to throw around, I would so have one of these. I would get I would get the centipede machine because I love centipede. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll keep my eye on this for when they release the Ninja Turtles one. Thanks to Wally for throwing that up on the uh, the Twitter feed for us because as soon as I saw that, I was like, ah, something else I don't need to spend money on. Shout out to Wallace. Yes. And don't correct me anymore. You make me feel bad. <laughs> uh, I see. Here, this is, what, this is what makes me think of it. Oh, that didn't play. Why didn't it play? Oh, because it's turned all the way down. That's why. You that, blow it! <laughs> every time I make a mistake. You blow it! <laughs> you blow it! <laughs> All right, oh, so this wally. is a story that we've talked about periodically on this show. Uh, this is from lilypudding.com. The C64 Mini Retro Gaming Console coming to North America in October. The folks at Retro Games are bringing the C64 Mini to North America in a few months, which is a classic Commodore 64. Uh, while it's aimed at the nostalgic gaming crowd, it also supports the basic programming language if you want to try your hand at programming new games. It launched in Europe earlier this year, and Retro Games has just announced it'll be available in North America starting October 9th. And you can see the, the picture on the article. It's it's basically a small Commodore 64. Yeah, I don't know how you would even be able to program on this thing. Like, <laughs> the, You would need like a pencil to hit the keys. Yeah. Like, have you ever programmed anything in basic? I have not. Oh God. I'd never want to do that again. Like that is not a selling point for me. I used to program pretty simple games back when I was a kid in basic for the, uh, Commodore 64. That's nothing I would ever want to do again at all. It's never, never really had the interest to do it. No, but it says here the company hasn't revealed North American pricing yet, but it sells for about 70 pounds in the UK and it's expected to go for around $70 in the US. It that's comes with actually, I That's not a bad no, it's, price. It's, and fittingly enough, it ships with 64 games pre-installed, wow. including Boulder Dash, Jumpman, Pit Stop 2, and Speedball 2. I wonder if it has the uh, the broken version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on it. Maybe. That That'd you, be kind of cool. You heard that you heard about that, right? The you know the original yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah TMNT game uh, for the Nintendo also had a Commodore 64 port and and uh, one of the sewer levels you couldn't make the jump. There was no way to do it. So the game was basically broken and mm-hmm. no way to play it or finish it. So yeah. That that doesn't sound fun. It does have a few modern touches, including an HDMI and USB ports, allowing you to connect a USB keyboard and or a modern TV. It supports 720p video at uh, 60Hz via HDMI with a 4.3 aspect ratio and support for US or European display models. <laughs> I still don't know if I'm going to get it, but... I'm I'm glad that they're doing it, and it seems like it'll be reasonably priced, and it will have a lot of games on it. So I I, I might pick one up just for the sake of having it. Yeah, 
I, I wouldn't mind having one too. I think I we, I think that Commodore sixty four I used to have is still at my mom's house somewhere. So I, I'm gonna go out there and because I know they still have all the old PC games that I used to have back in the nineties, and I want to find that stuff because I just want to have it. Yeah. Uh, and for our last story for this evening, uh, the Nintendo Virtual Boy gets a revival thanks to emulator for Oculus Rift VR headset. This from NintendoLife.com. Uh, the Virtual Boy has been predominantly inaccessible to the majority of Nintendo fans since its original release. It was hardware arguably ahead of its time, but also technology that was unable to compete with modern standards of the era. Uh, this Nintendo 64 was af- was released a year later in 96 and blew the console industry away with its cutting-edge ed- graphics. The Virtual Boy is little more than a memory now. Uh, overlooking the legalities of actually playing the small library of games, and there's only maybe 10 games, I think, 10 or 11 games. That uh, sounds about right. Alternative Methods, Jay Mattis, founder of indie game developer High Horse Entertainment, has released a VB Gen emulator for the Oculus Rift headset, essentially allowing users to play Virtual Boy games using modern VR technology. He says, once the console was discontinued, Blockbuster Video was trying to get rid of their inventory, and I actually thought I bought it pre-owned along with the entire games catalog for dirt cheap. I loved it, but I couldn't play it for long periods at a time. Of course, you'd get migraines. That was one of the problems with <laughs> the Virtual Boy. It caused migraines. I had to sit in an awkward position to keep my face in the visor, and the whole setup took way too much room on my desk to keep it connected all the time. When I got the emulator running, I was excited to replay some of the games I remember so fondly, but in a significantly more comfortable setting. And the emulator includes two modes, one where the screen is fixed and static like the original Virtual Boy, and the other where the screen exists in its own world so you can move closer or further away from the display. The trademark red filter can also be changed to gray, which is said to make the experience easier on the eyes. Now, I remember playing uh, demos of the Virtual Boy in Blockbuster when I was a kid. I, I couldn't look at it for more than a couple of minutes at a time. It it was so hard to look at. I have very few memories of the Virtual Boy, but much like you, what little I did play of it, it the the headset wasn't very comfortable Mm-mm. and just the, the sharp like red colors and everything just yeah. made my eyes hurt. Well, it wasn't something that you could strap to your face and just kind of kick back and play. You like, it was yeah. on this awkward stand that you had to like put on a table somewhere and then like find a seat. That's like the right height to put your face into this thing. And it was just like, I applaud Nintendo for trying and I would love to see them try to go back to the virtual reality world, especially with the stuff they're doing these days with the Oculus Rift and all that. But it was way ahead of its time. But man, that thing was doomed to failure. Yeah, just it's it's its whole setup was just never going to work. No. But you could probably find them for pretty cheap these days if you actually want to find one. I wouldn't mind having one just to have it, but I would never play this thing. Yeah, I just want to have it for history's sake. Yeah. But let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. 
And which which one? August? Yeah, we're looking at August because when this episode drops, it'll be August. In August of 1982, Nintendo releases Donkey Kong Jr., the sequel to Donkey Kong, which I have this game on uh, the Donkey Kong Classics um, cart for the NES. I I like these Donkey Kong games. Um, I wish they would put out Donkey Kong 3 um, for... Uh, was what they call it the um not the arcade archives is it the arcade archives for switch because donkey yes. kong 3 was kind of weird like it was it, you played the part of this um God, it was a was completely it? random character wasn't it yeah it was a different character he was uh an exterminator and it was in a gr- it was set inside of a greenhouse and um donkey kong would try to move down the screen but you had to use like uh, this bug sprayer to keep him up in the air it was kind of a interesting concept but way out of left field for donkey kong fans so it kind of fell flat and it's been kind of hard to find that game because they i don't think they ever did any sort of port of it for any of the consoles so uh, that that would be cool if they did a, a port of that for the switch yeah it says here uh, the character's name was Stanley. Stanley, uh, that's Don- right. Donkey Kong has taken refuge in his greenhouse and is now up to Stanley to stop the ape from stirring up any more insects that mm-hmm. will soon destroy his flowers. They save the flowers by spraying bug spray on Donkey Kong. Uh, they, I like how they say on Donkey Kong. You basically shoot it up his ass <laughs> in the game, the way, it, the way it works. But, you know, it, it was still, it was a fun game. Yeah, I, I knew there was a third one, but it's never talked about Mm-mm. it's kind of I, mean, like I know about the i know about the sequel because I, a little side note i think this is still the only game that features mario as the villain yep mm-hmm. because you're trying to rescue donkey kong as yeah. donkey kong jr fun games uh, let's see. In August of 1985, the final issue of Electronic Games Magazine is published. Did you ever read Electronic Games Magazine? Uh, I used to read Electronic Games Monthly. Uh, maybe it was a different incarnation of the Electronic Games Magazine. Um, yes. And I'm looking at it now. I mean, I, I read Electronic Gaming Monthly as well. That was... yeah. It was really close between that and Nintendo Power as my, uh, let's see, it was revived in 1992. As Electronic Gaming Uh, Monthly? It just says here, following the magazine's revival in 1992, it published the Electronic Gaming Awards. Hmm. Okay. See? No, there's no mention of Electronic Gaming Monthly in this article. Maybe they are two different... um two different magazines i mean I the titles love, are very similar yeah i used to so love I, I electronic could gaming monthly that was one of my favorite magazines other than nintendo power like you said mm-hmm. oh did you know that nintendo power is back as a podcast uh yeah i've been meaning to listen to it and i haven't yet and i don't yeah, know i haven't why. either i saw it on the switch and like i saw that logo and i was like holy shit yeah <laughs> it's back yeah i'm gonna give it a listen maybe tomorrow now that you reminded me On August 6th of 1986, Nintendo releases Metroid by Makoto Kano, the first in the Metroid series. I love Metroid so much. Metroid's a great franchise and one that 
really needs to come back. It does. I, I'm going to do a review of Super Metroid here really soon because, man, that game is good. It's mm-hmm. one of the best Super Nintendo games you can get. It's up there probably in the top five with Link to the Past and, and Super Mario World. I, I would I would agree with that. Metroid's a great franchise, and it's there aren't too many bad games in that franchise either. I mean, I never yeah. played, because I think Metroid 2 was for the Game Boy. I never played that one. I've gone back since and played the original Metroid. I did play Super Metroid, uh, but not until I was a little bit older. But even the it transitioning into 3D with Metroid Prime and being first person, I thought you know, the games were really good. The graphics on Metroid Prime still hold up to this day. Yeah. I, I would put I'd put Metroid Prime one in I'd say in the top arguably top two. I mean my right. my personal favorite Metroid games are Super Metroid and Metroid Prime. Yeah, those are good games. Let's see in on August fifteenth, nineteen eighty six, Electronic Arts releases open ended space exploration adventure game Starflight, which goes on to sell a million copies. Wow. I don't remember I, Starflight. I don't either. It was a. It came out for PC in '86, and then it was ported to the Genesis in '91. It's probably why I didn't ever hear of it because, you know, I only heard very little about the Genesis, and I've never been a PC gamer. Yeah, I, I think I do remember this game, but uh, now I'm looking at the. Uh... Uh, the screenshots of it. I have seen this, so maybe I saw this on video game years. Probably. Maybe so. Hmm. Looks interesting, though. Yeah. Um, Also, on August 23rd of 1991, Super Nintendo Entertainment System was released in North America. Man, I was at a fever pitch to get this thing when I was a kid. I remember as soon as it hit the stores in Kmart, I took my 20 or 30 bucks, made my mom take me to Kmart, I put it on layaway, and then they paid it off for me at Christmas so I could have it for Christmas. So that was like the best present ever. That's fantastic. No, I mean, I've said it many, many times. The Super Nintendo is my all-time favorite console because I had so much fun. I put in so many hours into that console And the cool thing was this came out right after my birthday. So I was able to get it when it came out as basically a late birthday present. That's awesome. And and of course, it was packaged with Super Mario World. Mm -hmm. So you you just jump right in and (sighs) such a good console. That Christmas, I got the Super Nintendo on Christmas Day. But when I was a kid, we would go to my grandparents' house and we would open presents on Christmas Eve, like do a big family gathering thing right. on Christmas Eve. That Christmas Eve, I got Final Fight, I got F-Zero, and Link to the Past. And <laughs> I couldn't play them until the next morning. So that was like the longest Christmas Eve ever because I wanted oh, I to play bet. them all so badly. Now, between Mario World and Link to the Past, you were set for a while. Oh, yeah. I didn't have to buy a game, another game for like two years after getting that. Yeah. And the, the problem was it was like it was an embarrassment of riches. So I, I didn't know what games to play first. I would just like keep switching between games like every five minutes. I'm like, I don't know which one I want to play. Yeah. 
Uh, and to close out this month in video game history, on August 27th, 1992, Nintendo releases Super Mario Kart, the first in the Mario Kart series, creating the mascot slash go-kart subgenre of racing games. It's one of the most iconic games of all time because, as I just read, it started a genre. Mm -hmm. Not just, you know, the Mario Kart series, but since then you've had Crash Team Racing. You've had, I think, Sega tried to do a racing game. So this started a completely new genre of games. And I, I will say the original Mario Kart, the controls and just the game in general does not hold up as well as you would think, but it's still so important oh, yeah. to the history of video games. Dude, here it is 20, almost we're a month away from the 26th anniversary of Super Mario Kart and we're still playing Super Mario Kart games. So that tells you something right there. Like that, that game hit a nerve that still yep. resonates to this day. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, we're done with the uh, video game history for this month. And um, one thing I want to say before we go into our review for tonight is please head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We have a couple of different tiers for you to take care of. Uh, $1, $3, and $5. Each tier has uh, different rewards. The $3 tier and the $5 tier lets you participate in the polls that we're going to put on Patreon every month. So, Derek, please tell everybody what we're going to what we're doing at the $50 level. So, in order to maintain the $50 level, we need some more backers. So, please head over there. Tell everybody what we're going to be doing every month. So, we're going to be doing it could be a review of a movie, could be a show, or it could be another game. And for the month of August, we have the distinct pleasure of doing an audio commentary track. If you want to see what that's like, you can go back and listen to our commentary for The Wizard, which is still one of my favorite shows. Oh, I still like go back and listen show. to it. I, I, I do. I still go back good. and listen to it because it was funny. <laughs> it was, it was good. great. Uh, we're going to be doing an audio commentary for the Super Mario Brothers movie. And we won't be alone for that. We will be joined by Mr. Wallace Phelps, your co-host from the Pop Culture Palette podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be fun. I will leave it at that because I I tried rewatching that movie a few years ago and I couldn't do it. <laughs> I just hope. But we you can know what? Get through I'm going to do it for you. The Patreon supporters. <laughs> So we're doing this for you guys. I actually bought a DVD copy of this movie to do it for you guys because you want yes. us to do it so badly that we hit the $50 mark every month to do the extra episode. So everybody head over there. Keep the keep the lights on for us. You know, it's not free to, for us to do podcasts. We're not doing commercials or sponsorships anymore. We're not doing Audible. So in order to keep the show afloat, we need people to Go to the Patreon. I mean, even for a dollar a month, just to help us keep the show going. So you head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Again, that is patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And become a patron of the show. And tonight, we're going to be talking about...
That's some ominous music right there. <laughs> uh, that reeks of 16-bit sound, yes, and I it love does. it. We're talking about the death and return of Superman. It is a side-scrolling beat-em-up video game released by Sunsoft for the Super NES and Genesis in 1994. It is based on the Death of Superman comic book storyline by DC Comics and features many characters from the comics, including Superman himself, Superboy, Steel, Cyborg, The Eradicator, and Doomsday. All of the five Superman are playable characters at some point in the game. Now, I remember when the comics came out, you know, me and my dad were at uh, the comic book shop first thing in the morning. There was a line of people like a mile long to get into the, the comic shop to buy The Death of Superman. And we got like two or three copies of it. I still have my copies in the black bag, still sealed, worth absolutely nothing. <laughs> but at the time, I thought I was like, I'm going to retire off of this. <laughs> <laughs> But I still haven't opened it to this day, so I guess that says something. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a it was a huge pop culture event. Uh, if you're a younger listener of this show, I don't think you could understand the the fervor around. I mean, it was a huge media event, the death of mm -hmm. Superman, because I mean, the guy had been around for what fifty years at that point, and they were going to kill him off and. You know, we weren't thinking he was going to be coming back, but of course he was. It's comics. He's got to come back eventually. But they killed off Superman and then had this really weird things that happened afterward where there was like four or five different Supermen that showed up and to kind of take his place. And then eventually everything kind of got reset again with the real Superman. Um so it was a weird time for comics back in the 90s. A lot of gimmicks like this, the death of Superman. Uh, if you ever get to see the uh, the animated death of Superman uh, by DC Animation, that's an excellent movie to go watch. Mm -hmm. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the game. Um, this is pretty much a standard side-scrolling beat-em-up. kind of like uh, It's a lot like Final Fight, but at the same time... <laughs> I feel stronger in Final Fight than Superman does in this actual game. Like, don't get me wrong. When I first started playing it, it was I actually was like, man, this is this is really fun. I like this. But then as the more I played it, the more the glaring flaws started to show themselves. Like uh, this game is really much harder than it needs to be. A lot of and it, Derek, you're a Superman fan, correct? Yeah, I mean, he's not my... I wouldn't put him in my top three, but I, I like him more than most people I know that are basically indifferent to Superman. But, you know, Superman is, is pretty much invulnerable, correct? That would be your assumption? Yeah, yeah. Well, in this game, he, he gets his ass beaten regularly by by Molotov cocktails, which I didn't think would injure Superman too much, but you get hit by a Molotov cocktail, which there are a lot of guys in this game that throw Molotov cocktails, and your punch reach isn't far enough to hit them before they throw the Molotov cocktail at you, and it takes off like a quarter of your health every time you get hit by one. Uh, and dudes with chainsaws who are named, you guessed it, Chainsaw is the name of their, their character name. Uh, <laughs> so it's, 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 the, it's the same problem that most of these games like have, especially like Final Fight. And, and, you know, I did a review of Batman Returns 
for the Super Nintendo on this show, and I love that game. I mean, it is a clone of Final Fight, and everybody knows my love for Final Fight. I love Final Fight. But in Final Fight, you have ways of clearing out you know, a screen full of enemies that are, um, you, you know, crowding around you and beating the hell out of you. Like in Final Fight, whether you're playing Cody or uh, Hagar, you have moves that like, you know, spin kicks or whatever, or uh, moves like that that can clear out a bunch of enemies to kind of get them off of you. You don't have moves like that in this game. It's just you either punch, jump, or... You have one super move that you can do where it's kind of a ground smash type of thing where you can take care of everybody in the screen, but you only get three per level. So once you're yeah. done, you're out. You have no more. And then you have x-ray, or uh, not x-ray vision, but uh, heat blasts. Uh, you know, the the vision heat blast mm -hmm. doesn't do jack shit to anybody. <laughs> it just knocks them down one time, hardly takes any life off of them. And then, of course, the first couple of levels, you're you're kind of going through the streets of Metropolis, fighting these random bad guys. Doomsday shows up, and you fight Doomsday, but then he runs away after you defeat him. And then you have to go through another level, which is level two of the pretty much the same stuff you went through in the first level. And you get to uh, Doomsday again, and and you do you of course you get killed also. At, with an uppercut at the last second. And then at that point, you get to play as the other Superman characters. You know, you get Superboy, you get uh, Steel, um, Cyborg, and the Eradicator, which are all kind of cool. They all kind of have their different um, moves. You know, like uh, Steel has... Um, uh, he's got the big... Um, was it like a big hammer almost uh superboy's got like you know his heat vision that actually works somewhat uh the eradicator who's kind of a half oh, eradicator which one oh the eradicator is kind of like uh i don't remember which one he was but he he's he's got a really cool kind of superman costume he's he's kind of more of the straight kind of just regular superman character but you kind of go through the game, and it tells kind of the story of bringing Superman back to life. I haven't gotten to the end of the game yet because, dude, this game is so freaking hard. And it's not hard in a way that, you know, Final Fight is hard, where it's like, it's not unfair. It's just, it takes, you know, like some of the boss fights are pretty hard in Final Fight. This game is uh, just the regular dudes are hard. <laughs> like mm -hmm. just the regular mob trash or like whip like kick your ass and it's you don't feel powerful at all. Like it's cool when you jump in the air and you hit the the jump button twice and then you start flying. But you really you know there's nothing to do once you f fly up in the air, you still got to come back down and fight everybody. So I I don't know I, I this game was also developed by Blizzard, who is known for games like Diablo and Warcraft, mm -hmm. World of Warcraft. So this was kind of the early days of Blizzard back in the uh, the three three Vikings days, and it's a great looking game. I, I I really like the way this game looks. The graphics are great, but 
if they were going to do just a regular side-scrolling beat-em-up, they should have just reskinned Final Fight like they did for Batman Returns because you don't feel strong at all in this game. And it sucks because as Superman, I want to feel like Superman. That's kind of the drawback with doing a Superman type game is that logic says and through the character's history is that you shouldn't be able to be damaged by anything yeah. unless it's kryptonite or magic. So when you when you're, you know, getting destroyed by cocktails <laughs> that that would take me out of the game to be perfectly honest yeah. and especially with adapting such an iconic story because you know i was when did that whole arc happen was that 94 yeah uh. so i i would have been around 8 yeah 7 or 8 but even you know i knew back then because superman was always the character that when everyone else failed to save the day he would always come in and succeed. Yeah, exactly. And then, and just to, to say that that character who you believe can never die is going to die. That's of course, it's going to get people to, to read your book because yeah. you're doing the unthinkable. And that's, and that's kind of the pressure that comes along. I think with adapting a story like that is that the expectation was set so high that unless you do a damn good game, it's going to fail from the start. Yeah. And, and, you know, this had the foundation to be a great game. It's mm -hmm. just it, it. I don't understand why they felt the need to make Superman so weak. I, it, it at least make me feel as strong as I do in Final Fight. Like, you know, one or two characters on the screen are pretty easily taken care of in Final Fight, but you do get to some points where there are multiple characters on the screen that have, you know, kind of different move sets where if you're not careful, they can take you out. And but you can still, you know, maintain like like I said, there are moves that kind of take care of multiple characters on the screen. You know, you can jump easily. It's it's very fluid with the controls. This game just, it doesn't feel good to play it. Like, it's just, there's, it's just, a, it's a really not well-made beat-em-up. Yeah. Like, I want to feel strong. That's, that's the whole point of Superman is to feel strong. And I don't feel strong in the game. Like, when... Dude's throwing Molotov cocktails at you and taking off a quarter of your health. Unless that Molotov cocktail is made of kryptonite juice, I don't, you know, no. <laughs> I don't, that yeah. can't happen. Well, and even, because um, I'm not going to lie, I completely forgot about this game. And when I saw you were reviewing it, I thought, oh, cool. And I was reading about it and thought, oh, cool? <laughs> Question mark? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's got some cool cutscenes in the game, but they're you know they're not. Uh, I mean, they kind of use the same graphics over and over again in between each level, mm -hmm. um, and I don't know. It, it's uh, let, let me tell you a little bit about the actual gameplay. Each Superman has the ability to fly and can thereby avoid certain characters or obstacles using this ability. 
There are also characters that have the ability to fly and are thereby easier to defeat if confronted in the air. There are also certain areas and levels where flying is mandatory. Also, many obstacles can be passed only by flying. Um, let's see, Man of Steel. Each char- uh, uh, with the exception of Superman, and to the point, and to a point, the Man of Steel. Each character has two standard types of level: melee combat and flying, in which only projectile moves can be used. But in the beginning of the game, when you fly, you don't have any sort of projectiles until you get um, which uh, the Eradicator. You know, he, uh, the Eradicator and Superboy both have, uh, you know, heat vision and stuff like that. And uh, I think Steel is the one that has the uh, the big hammer. Like I said, I didn't get very far in this game. I only got a couple levels in. Uh, and it's just I wanted to try to at least defeat it or get close to defeating it. It's mm-hmm. just too hard, man. And it's not a fun kind of hard. Like... Like Ninja Gaiden or something, you know, along those lines where you feel like you need, you want to keep going. This game is just frustrating because it's like, ugh, I wish this was better. That's unfortunate too, because like I said earlier, with adapting such an iconic story, you'd want a good game to go along with it. And you can tell that they put a lot of care into this game. Like the graphics are really good. I like the mm-hmm. music in it. You know, the character models look great. It's just the the game just doesn't feel good to play at all. It's way too hard. Yeah, that's unfortunate. So I out of ten, I would give this probably a six. I mean, it's it's better than some games, a lot of games, but it's just it's not as good as some others. Like if I'm gonna play a side scrolling beat 'em up, I'm going straight to something like Final Fight. Yeah. Uh, that, that's Batman two Returns. episodes in a row where we've not said very good things about a game. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to feel like Superman, uh, go play Batman Returns for the Super Nintendo because <laughs> he actually feels strong in that game. That's actually the perfect segue because if you're watching live, it'll be in two weeks. But if you're listening on the audio version next week, I'm going to review Batman Forever. Ooh for the Super Nintendo and I'm already dis- setting myself up for disappointment because I know I'm not going to hear Seal's Kiss from a Rose oh. <laughs> I still have that soundtrack that soundtrack's great well, do you remember the music video oh yeah that music video is something awful it, it's, it's literally <laughs> him singing in front of the bat signal with footage from the movie spliced in <laughs> It's so bad, I love it. It was the 90s, man. It was yep. the 90s. Yep. No, but that soundtrack still holds up, man. There's a lot of good songs oh, on that soundtrack. You can knock certain aspects of those movies. Well, I'll say Batman and Robin is the exception because even the soundtrack wasn't that great. But, you know, when Prince did the original Tim Burton Batman and then I think you had what was that group that did the song for Batman Returns? Oh, uh, what remember. was it? It was the song played during the dance scene with Bruce and oh, Sushi and the Banshees oh, was yeah. the group. And then Batman Forever's soundtrack. I mean, you had uh, Seal, you had U two, yeah, you had good bands that were actually contributing to it. Dude, it had Method Man on there. It had Sunny mm-hmm. Day Real Estate. Some great music on that soundtrack. Uh, 
Uh, I don't have it instantly available right behind me, or I would grab it and start reading off the bands that are on it. But that, I don't care what anybody says. I love Batman Forever. I like that movie. It's just stupid fun. Well, and that's what I tell people is that you have to look at that movie for what it is to enjoy it. It's not meant to be the dark, gritty Batman. To me, it's it's the perfect hybrid of the campiness and the seriousness. Exactly. But to, to read off some of the bands, you had U2, PJ Harvey, mm, Brandy, yeah. Seal, Massive Attack, Eddie Reader, Mazzy Star, The Offspring, mm-hmm. Nick Cave, Method Man, Michael Hutchins, The Devlins, Sunny Day Real Estate, and The Flaming Lips. Yeah, I love that Flaming Lips song on there, too. Yeah, Bad Days. Yeah, that's a good song. Yeah, and and I was a big Offspring fan around that time, so instead good of, stuff. Instead of playing the death and return of Superman, let's just go watch Batman Forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or just watch the Kiss from a Rose yeah. music video. <laughs> but yeah, I like I said, I wish I liked this game because it does look really good, but eh, it's not good. That's unfortunate. So that, that's really all I have to say about it. And maybe I'm not giving it a fair shake, but it's hard to give a game a fair shake when you can't even... I don't even know how far into the game I am. I mean, I for all I know, I could be like 10% into it as far as I got. I got like, what, level four, I think? Because um, mm-hmm. after, after you... Uh, kill Doomsday, then you become uh, what was the one after that? Uh, let's see, I, I'm trying to remember which one. Uh, game shifts to Cyborg. Uh, he attacks Project Cadmus, base located in Comatose, locate to locate a Comatose Doomsday. Um, then you control the Eradicator, the last son of Krypton, as he patrols the streets of Metropolis, and that's pretty much where I stopped. So I think I'm only like yeah. not even halfway through the game. So I apologize. Anybody that's listening to this wanting me to give an honest review of it, but it was just too hard. I couldn't get very far in it. And I played it like over the last week and I'm just like, Meh, I don't want to play this again. I don't even want to I mean, I, I feel it. like in you saying that though, you are giving your honest review of it. Yeah. I don't even want to finish it or even try to finish it. Like even if I could find some code, like cheat codes, I, I don't know if I'd want to finish it. It's just, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. It's a lot like, um, I feel about this game. Like I did about, uh, return of the Joker. Oh, okay. How, you know, the first Batman game is awesome, and then Return of the Joker just took everything fun about the first game and took it out. Yeah. So that's how I feel about it. Again, it's a shame because it's such a it's such an integral story. You know what I have to say to Sunsoft and Blizzard about this game? You blow it! <laughs> I'm going to get so much use out of that. Uh, I love sound effects. (laughs) Uh, But let's go ahead and get out of here, Derek. Is there anything you want to tell the good people before we get out of here? I do, actually. So, again, we're recording this, you know, a couple of weeks before it actually airs. And it's kind of crazy to think about this. But this upcoming Saturday, we will be recording episode 200 
of the Derek Diamond experience. Wow. Wow. And and I yes, wow. Um I'm sure everyone knows, but I'll say it again. I'm basically getting roasted for my two yes. hundredth show, so we'll see if I have any friends left after after we have the shindig. But no, it's it, it's gonna be pre recorded and then it will air uh next week as episode two hundred. But episode one ninety nine will be and this was actually voted on by the listeners, which I thought was really cool the top 10 episodes of the Derek diamond experience. So it's going to be fun, you know, going back through some of those older episodes that I haven't heard in forever and just kind of reliving it. So it's, it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, I never thought I would have hit 200 times of doing anything, Yeah, much less a <laughs> podcast. We're getting up there with pop culture palette too. We're in the one eighties right now. So we'll be hitting 200 in the next couple of months. That's fantastic. It's going to be, wow, I don't think I've ever done anything 200 times in my life. <laughs> Much no, I really don't think I have either, except maybe turn on my Super Nintendo. And you figure at an hour, about an hour an episode, that's 200 hours. That's like, what, three, four, eight straight days of podcasting. Yeah, I'd have to, I, I should do that. I should, after episode 200, I should go through and... <laughs> <laughs> At least see a rough estimate of all the hours that I've put into that show. Yeah, that'd probably be pretty scary. <laughs> like, God, I need to. I mean, I've got a job, but be like, go out and get a life. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's no, it's it's been honestly, it's been a very very fun ride. That's cool, man. That, congratulations for for hitting two hundred. I appreciate that. Um, but everybody go over there and listen to that, uh, episode that Eric did, uh, Derek did from the, uh, the podcast movement, uh, which is probably a week and a half old by the time you hear this, uh, which episode is it? 198? 197. 197. That was a good episode. Uh, as far as pop culture palette, I think by the time this comes out, uh, there will be episode 180. Let me look it up just to see. Because I want to tell everybody that Mr. Joey Image, Mr. Uh, Hammond Chamberlain, and Mr. Daryl Skeels are coming on the show for episode 183. We're doing uh, a Grumpy Cast reunion. I got all the guys from the Grumpy Cast to come back, and we're going to gripe about stuff. So that's going to be a fun episode. Just the name Grumpy Cast is great. I love so I, it. I can't I can't wait to listen <laughs> I to was it. So sad when that episode when that show ended. But um but yeah, let's uh let's go ahead and get out of here. What do you say, Derek? Yeah, I got to get some sleep. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro to help support the show. And if you don't want to do that, then leave us a review. Wherever you listen to the show at, please go leave us a review. Helps get us in front of more people. So, Derek, please tell everyone what it's all about. Wow.